0: Welcome back to the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert Hazelton, and I'll be your host. Today I want to talk about some TV shows, both long-running and brand new. I'm going to review a couple of movies I've seen recently, and then I'm going to talk about some anticipated films that are coming in the very near future. Uh, I've got a lot to talk about, as always, so we're going to dive right in. There are literally thousands of television shows out there these days, and the market has become dramatically oversaturated. They encompass every single genre that you can imagine, from science fiction to horror to drama to detective shows, which by far have the most cozy mysteries and and everything in between. And really what it comes down to is, which actors do you like more in these shows? Or do you prefer the setting? Or do you like BBC's take on it? Or now that Netflix has opened up their doors to every foreign show that they can find, Do you want something a little bit more exotic? Do you want to see how it's done in South Africa or Austria or whatever the case may be? And that's been pretty cool for us who like television because we have a bigger palette than we ever did before. When I was a kid, we had the three channels pretty much before we got cable. And even when we got cable back then, there weren't a lot of channels, not like now. So you were still pretty much in the position where you had to appreciate whatever you got. And it was on a schedule. So if we wanted to watch a movie on HBO, we had to check the guide, see what time it was going to be on and actually be there for that. Now, we just stream it. Even if it is on HBO, we can stream it from there. So we have a lot of, we're we're pretty spoiled in that regard. In a lot of ways, that's good. What it also does is it allows us to be pretty picky about our shows. And because we have the internet and every other forum, we can actually criticize them pretty hard. And in some cases, we've got some armchair critics who don't necessarily have uh, credentials per se to talk about whatever they like or don't like. And then we have the professionals who come out and say, you know, I was a a film student for 12 years and did this and that, and that's why my opinion matters more than, you know, Joe Schmoe number two. I approach these as a storyteller and writer, somebody who has written numerous novels, worked on video games, music, all that stuff, life experience, and just a general person who appreciates the uh, the art of movies and television so when I come at them i I can't say that i'm super generous i'm not gentle um, i I can get pretty critical, and I can even be very nitpicky when it comes right down to it so. Finishing a series or even just a season for my wife and I was actually quite the accomplishment. One year when I was still working in the corporate world, we managed to only finish three full seasons of shows through the year. We saw a number of movies, but as far as actual shows, it was pretty minimal. Uh, This last year, we've managed to do quite a bit more than that, especially when we dove into Doctor Who and I became a complete fanatic. All that said, I want to talk about some of the new shows that I've tried to jump into and sort of what happened. Uh, Most recently, Carnival Row came out, and I saw a lot of criticism for it. Some of it suggested that it was too hard to follow. Some people said that it was kind of boring. Other people decried its special effects. Some didn't like how it looked. And I watched the first episode with an open mind, and I was pretty excited about it. I got to be honest, when I saw the first trailer, I was pretty excited to watch the whole thing. So we watched the first episode while I was having dinner the other night, and I have to say that I loved it. I had a great time watching the show, um, the very first, the first episode. But afterwards, you know, the next day, I just, I didn't care anymore. It didn't pull me back in. I, I don't know exactly why. There was nothing wrong with it for me. The actors were fine. Uh, the setting looked great. I didn't have a problem with the lighting the special effects were cool. I think that the big problem I had was that it just doesn't feel special. I think that in their effort to make a brand new world, the Berg and and Nanak, it just feels generic still. And it just, I think they would have done better to make it Victorian England instead of another place. Because when they throw out a line like, oh, we're living in the 7th century now, you're like, really? That just feels, it feels too, I don't know. It feels like they're really trying way too hard, even with just a throwaway line. Um, I know I'm really grasping to figure out why I didn't like it, and I'm I'm sorry I can't be more articulate. I just, it didn't strike a spark. And I'm probably going to go on and watch more, because why not? Uh, maybe the second or third episode will pick up. But for right now, after the first episode, I kind of understand where people are coming from. And and quite frankly, even those reviews that give it a hard time have the same feeling that people don't quite know what they didn't like about it. Uh, if If indeed they didn't like something about it and it just wasn't special. I'm not sure if it's just that we're not used to seeing the actors do that kind of thing. I can tell you the story itself seemed a little bit too simple in regards to the police investigation. I didn't get a real good sense of how the police worked. I felt like they wanted me to assume that the police worked the same way they did in, say, Victorian England, which we've seen in things like From Hell or Sherlock Holmes, but they don't work that way in the show. The way they act towards one another is pretty harsh, actually. So, I can't, I can't really put my finger on it. I will definitely bring this back up in a future episode when I've had a chance to watch more of the series and uh, see what I think. Now, by contrast, I watched the first episode of The Boys and I just absolutely couldn't wait to get back to it. It had a spark. There was just something about it. It wanted me to come back and I loved it. I loved the actors. Everyone was charming. I think that's really what Carnival Row lacks is charm now just to segue slightly uh the Valerian movie with Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne Cara Delevingne being one of the main characters in Carnival Row she was the main one of the main characters in Valerian one of the problems I had with Valerian was she just had a very flat performance it just she wasn't selling it as well as I thought she could and in Carnival Row she really does step up she's amazing she did a great job but I still think there's some kind of air, an aura from her that uh, that gave me a hard time with this. And it's nothing against her performance at all. She really brought it, but it, it's almost a charisma thing maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say for sure. And if you're a Cara Delevingne fan, I do apologize. But that's just the sense I got. So those are the two newest shows that I've really looked at and tried to get into. One of which worked out, one didn't. Some shows that are a little bit older. Uh, more long running that um, I honestly hadn't jumped into until recently were Lucifer and Stranger Things. So I tried to watch the first episode of Stranger Things quite a while back before Stranger Things 2 came out. And I have to admit that it just did nothing for me, mostly because I just didn't care about the nostalgic element. I felt like I'd seen everything happening in it before. Not necessarily done better, but I just I wanted to watch something new at that time. So, much later, we happened to see a figure of the Demogorgon at, like, Target or something. And so, we came back to Stranger Things, and we ended up finishing the first season pretty darn quick. And we started the second season just recently. I have to say, I'm glad that I did, because I was wrong. That show actually turned out to be great. I had a great time watching it. And it it did remind me a little bit of Goonies and It Chapter 1. Both good, good things, by the way. So, it was really fun to visit that show. Now, I have heard that Season 3 had some interesting issues for some people, but I'm I'm not close to that yet. So, I will uh, definitely get through Season 2 during the, uh, the September-October time frame, since it's the more Halloween time for us. I'll talk more about that in a minute. And then there's Lucifer. So, we finished Season 1 of Lucifer pretty darn fast, and I had a great time with it. I have a problem with detective shows that are... Mystery of the week. I I hate that formulaic stuff and it always is so funny how rapidly they uh sum up and catch murderers and that sort of thing. Uh elementary was way worse than this show by far, because at least this had the devil and, and some of his issues, uh family issues, I guess you could say. Uh, things I loved about Lucifer, uh Tom Ellis, he's great. Uh I like I like his interactions with people. One thing I don't like about supernatural shows like Lucifer, Forever Night, that kind of thing, is that these immortal characters who are insanely old, in Nick's case, I think he was 800 something years old. Lucifer, obviously is ancient. They have so much naivete that just doesn't make sense. There's so many things that they should just be more wise, I guess is where I'm going with this. And oftentimes they act like children, really. Ancient children, which is just kind of odd. Uh, it doesn't really detract from Lucifer for me too much. Once we started season two, I really kind of fell in love with him again and uh, and look forward to finishing it. But season one was a bit of a slog with some of those Monster of the Week episodes. It's one of the reasons I quit watching Elementary during season two because it was so formulaic. You knew ex- You could set your watch by when they would go to the first witness they were going to talk to and find him dead and on and on. I just mm, I'm not one of those people that it's like, oh my god, that's Johnny Lee Miller, I'm in! I need a lot more than that. And now, if you since they finished elementary now you have the Alan Cumming show, Instinct and you can have another eccentric weirdo leading cases Um, I'm sure he is charismatic as hell but the trailer I saw was just so pretentious it was so bones. I just I don't I didn't have any interest in it. So uh, detective shows for me have to be like one of my favorites, like Broadchurch, which feels a lot more like well, it feels a lot more realistic. And the characters just they just seem more real. They don't solve everything quickly and they make mistakes and they're they're very human with how they address their fellows and how they work with suspects and, and victims. It's it's awesome. Broadchurch ...is one of my favorite shows I've ever seen. And that's not just because of David Tennant. That is because they did a fantastic job telling two complete stories... ...actually three, I apologize. And they did it very, very well. Plus, if I'm to be honest, I think that BBC does a much better job of pacing their shows. I like these shorter, tighter seasons that tell a story and just get out. Eight episodes for a Broadchurch season, and it feels right. Bletchley Circle is another show that does a great job of it. Some of their seasons, I think, were only three episodes long. They just do a good job of keeping things focused. When you get into these 26 episode-long seasons that American television has, sometimes you can feel that the creators are not necessarily running out of ideas, but they are filling the gaps to get to that that point. Uh, This is actually even true of The Punisher season one, where... I think that it was one episode too long. Uh, sometimes that just that just happens, even when it's a shorter season. But BBC does a fantastic job of really keeping their focus. And I've really sort of changed my viewing towards BBC. I have Doctor Who to thank for that. You know, coming all the way back to Doctor Who and David Tennant, I was just listening to a YouTube last night about Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. And he had some pretty strong opinions. Uh, they were in my opinion, a little harshly stated, but not necessarily wrong. He mostly talked about the fact that he doesn't like Jodie as the Doctor, and he feels that the Doctor being a woman in the way that it was done was more of a political statement rather than a canonical decision. I have to be honest, I kind of agree. I've watched the first couple of episodes of Jodie's Doctor, and she literally does not feel like the Doctor. I talked about this briefly in a previous episode. I think that maybe she might be able to become the Doctor for me, but maybe not. I really do honestly think that they would have done a lot better job to just use the watch trick where a Time Lord can essentially become human for all intents and purposes, have a new Time Lord be discovered by the current Doctor, have her come into the show for a little bit, just to establish her and then done a spin off with a brand new time lord. Now yes, here's the thing. The complaints that I've heard about Jodie being or not necessarily Jodie specifically we'll get into that in a second, but having a female doctor that's been established. Not just by the fact that in the Tom Baker season he had a female time lord with him, but later on when Matt Smith becomes uh, when, when he he when David Tennant regenerates into Matt Smith one of the first things that Matt Smith asks out loud is, am I a girl? So it, they've really done a good job of establishing that it's possible. *Knight uh, of the Doctor with uh, Paul McGann also established that moment when he's looking through the goblets, and one of the options is, is that he could regenerate as a woman. So they were setting us up for it. I just think that the fans who were upset about how they did it this time... I think it could have been more of a buildup, And that's my big problem with the newer Doctor Whos. Even with the David Tennant ones, I liked the old way of doing serials where it was three episodes long for one story rather than these 45-minute long quick episodes that tie everything up, occasional two-parters. But I really feel like they needed more of that serial mentality in the newer shows. It would really help establish characters, Make some of these storylines last. I hate it when I see on the screen any amount of time later. When I see it's been one year, I'm like, really? Are you guys really doing that? This is not that long of a show. Come on, guys. You're going to have to establish a lot of what's happened in all that time, and it will be throwaway. It just won't work. And oftentimes, those were, in my opinion, the weakest of the episodes for Doctor Who. So anyway, this guy goes on to talk about how he actually does not like Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. He doesn't think she's intimidating. He doesn't really feel that she had charisma or charm. And I disagree with some of that. I think that she's a very charming actress, and I think she does a good job uh, playing an eccentric alien. Again, I don't really think of her as the Doctor. I think of her more as a new Time Lord. I kind of feel like the show has become a reboot as opposed to a continuation of the Peter Cabaldi era. So if you think of it that way, it's actually pretty cool because it's a lot easier to, to, to stomach, especially since the first season doesn't include any of the traditional villains or the common uh, obstacles that the Doctor usually faces. I think that the real problem with the Jodie Whittaker show, and actually I think that the Matt Smith show uh, suffered from this a little bit too, is that we as fans kind of want our Doctor to be somebody at least at this point, who knew the show, who, who like knew the old classics and can inject some of their own experience into their portrayal. David Tennant is a fantastic example of someone who knew that show in and out, and he grew up with it, and his, his characterization of the Doctor incorporates many of the classic Doctors into it, including just his mannerisms and the way he delivers lines here and there. I mean, as a kid, he was getting in trouble for writing essays about Doctor Who all the time. Uh, Peter Cabaldi has a story where he insisted on becoming the head of the fan club or whatever that was, secretary or something. He was, he was committed as well. He loved the show. Now, Chris, not so much, but Chris was reinventing it at that time. He built the new version of the show with uh, Russell Davis, so you get a very different portrayal. And it was okay that he didn't necessarily have the background that you needed. And whether he did or not, I actually don't know. I, didn't, I haven't looked into that, but he, he was inventing a new version of Doctor Who with the BBC. But when David Tennant came, they had reintroduced so much of the old show at that point, it was awesome that he brought it with him. Now, from what I understand, Matt Smith didn't really have the opportunity to watch the show. It had actually gone off the air when right around the time he was old enough to start watching it. So he didn't have the experience with Doctor Who that, say, David Tennant did or some of the other folks. And it kind of shows in a lot of ways. He doesn't bring the same energy. He brings a completely different energy. And while I'm not as fond of his seasons so far, I say that he still is interesting because he does bring a very manic and interesting energy to the character. Uh, I like him as an actor. I don't necessarily like him as the Doctor. I prefer his companions over him. But I really think that his lack of experience with the previous Doctor Who, as in he didn't embrace it and acclimate to it as he grew up, as some of the others, and it kind of shows. And Jodie Whittaker is in the same boat. She didn't really watch Doctor Who when she was young, and it shows. She brings her own thing to it, which is great. But I think that as fans, one of the things we really want is our Doctor to be someone who loved the show as much as we did, and brings that same energy we almost it's almost part of the fantasy is the thought that a super fan is getting to do what we would love the opportunity to do They're being the doctor and that is awesome but we don't really get that with Jody we don't really get that with Matt and I think that intangible essence of affection for the show is what is missing from Jody's more than anything else more than all these other complaints that this guy had Not that his his opinions were invalid, but I think he did miss that mark. Uh, He's also unhappy that uh, the BBC has sort of tossed aside the Christmas specials because they're trying to be more sensitive to the religious overtones. Uh, But, you know, whether that's true or not, I don't... I mean, it doesn't really bother me. If they do something on New Year's Eve instead, I'm fine with that. I mean, you know, in this day and age, we are trying to be less offensive to people. Uh, We're trying to be more inclusive all around. Unfortunately, inclusion does result in exclusion of certain traditions, because if a tradition essentially ostracizes or makes someone feel like an outsider, then that tradition probably doesn't need to stick around. I'm not saying that Christmas is an exclusive uh, sort of uh, holiday because it has roots in so many different um, traditions throughout the past. I do feel like it could have been included. But, I mean, let's be honest. It's theirs. They can do with it as they need to do. They are beholden the fans. I mean, they got 60 years of fans to cater to. And that's a very tall order. I mean, even 10 years of fans is, is pretty crazy because you've got a lot of expectation there. You've got a lot of people who are breathing down your neck. So, they're in a tough spot. They want to include new people. They want to maintain the old... In order to get new people, you got to take risks. Some of those risks won't be appreciated. Some change is painful, all that stuff. We all have heard that before. But it's especially true of a long-running show like this. Uh, a lot of people think that by putting Jody in, they were grasping at new fans while tossing out a whole bunch of others. But I think that those are the same people, those old fans that we're talking about losing, are the same people who get mad when a black actor is brought in to play a traditionally white character, or a female character becomes a prominent character in a series, uh, I don't remember a lot of people complaining when uh, they made Starbuck a female in *Battlestar Galactica*, or changed Boomer's gender and ethnicity. But I'm sure there were complaints. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. I, I, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't married enough to Battlestar Galactica to be offended by it. Heck, few people were considering that it basically got canceled uh, way back in the day. So I think all around, we as viewers and fans of different different products need to be a little bit more open to the creators taking chances and trying new things with those things we love. Because let's be honest, if they get stale, we're going to get bored. I mean, we are a race of people who want... New experiences all the time, and if we're always given the exact same thing over and over again, it it will get boring. Let's let's just be honest about that. And when something is too similar, we're mad. And when it goes too far astray, we're mad. And we are like Goldilocks, and we want it right down the middle. But that isn't always possible. You've got to eventually stretch and break through the the rut and try something different. And we have to be tolerant of the attempt to try something different and see if they can course correct it and keep it sort of what we expect while being new. Something like Doctor Who in particular really caters to new and exciting and different. The possibilities are endless and we don't allow them to be because we have too sharp of expectations on what they're going to do. And this actually extends to Star Wars as well, if I'm to be honest. We need to talk about that a little bit. Star Wars is a controversial topic these days, especially with things like The Last Jedi being so polarizing as far as uh, fans go. I recently was reading on a website about all the people who are just destroying The Last Jedi and how terrible it is how horrible star wars has become how the the person at the helm is pretty much screwing up and so on and so forth i kind of get it i really despised the last jedi myself i thought that it was a ridiculous movie it had way too many flaws for my taste i didn't like the force awakens either for a lot of the same reasons i've read about uh it felt way too much like a new hope Down to the stupid planet Death Star thing that drained its sun and shot stuff. It's like, really? How many shots are you going to get for that? And who has the resources for that when you're just a fringe version of the Empire? Just as one example of things that I complained about. But uh, that's me taking it way too seriously. I found the choices they made in both movies to be absolutely absurd. So... As we come towards the new movie, the the last in this whatever you want to call it, I can't say that I care one way or the other. Uh, They keep throwing out little tidbits like, Hey, there's Emperor Palpatine. Why is that cool? Why should we be excited of recycled material? Uh, More importantly, they are doing the trailer much in the same way they did the trailer for Dark Phoenix. So I'm pretty sure they were under the impression with Dark Phoenix that a lot of people were not interested and were going to avoid the movie. So then they make this big collage trailer of all the previous X-Men movie to sort of garner some interest and show everybody, hey, look, we've got this, uh, we've got this legacy. You're going to love it. You're going to have a great time with this movie. You've got to come. It's probably our last one, blah, blah, blah. And Star Wars did the same thing the other day. Just watch that trailer where it shows you clips from every movie previously. And some iconic moments in the original trilogy and some of the cool parts of the prequels and so on and so forth. And whenever they start trying to pull on nostalgia, I start to really worry that the material they're creating is just not going to be good, that it will be subpar or that it's going to just flounder in its effort to be what we want it to be. So in the case of Star Wars, I'm pretty worried that they're just going to do what Uh, Force Unleashed did, which is play it really careful, bring back an old enemy, do some cheesy stuff, and just try to recapture those fans, or at least placate them a little bit so they're not like, well, that was terrible. They want them to be able to say, well, it wasn't that bad. I'd be willing to watch another one. I still think they've kind of ruined the series in a lot of ways for people. There's so much bad taste in mouths. I mean, you go on a Facebook page right now and you look at the comments and they're just vile they're just insane i mean i didn't like it and i was pretty mad that i went at the hour i did but i wouldn't necessarily say that i'd be trolling around looking for places to complain even more i wrote a very negative review and i moved on but my goodness i will say this i did try and watch the last jedi recently again i couldn't i couldn't get into it it's just it's just not good i think that the wing commander movie is better It's actually more entertaining, that's for sure. And that's saying a lot. I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen Wing Commander or at least know about it and realize that uh, it's not the best of sci-fi movies by any stretch. But when I compare it to The Last Jedi, I actually give it more props. So anyway, that is one of my big anticipated movies for folks out there. Kind of wanted to talk about that Star Wars thing and really address how I feel about what they're doing there. It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens and how it works out. I'm really excited to see the reviews and see if they get positive reviews. Much like The Last Jedi got really high reviews from the critics, but the audience scores were the opposite. They were just terrible. I'm really curious how that's going to play out. So I'm sure it's going to make bajillions of dollars. And even the naysayers are probably still going to go see it. At least most of them. Whether they see it nine, ten times like they would have seen, say, Return of the Jedi, that remains to be seen. I know that back when The Phantom Menace came out, there was a lot of people like, this is a terrible movie. And I'd say, wow, yeah, I, you know, I kind of liked it. Yeah, I saw it five times. I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. What? You hated the movie so much that you saw it multiple times in the theater? Come on now. So uh, with Star Wars, in some cases, there is I hate this movie, but not so much that I wouldn't see it again. So we'll see if that case happens again with uh, Rise of Skywalker. But uh, I don't have a lot of faith for them in that regard. Another movie I'm really looking forward to is It Chapter 2. The trailers have made that look really interesting, and I'm so glad that they broke this up into two films. Uh, I heard it's really long, and it's supposed to be a lot scarier, so I really can't wait to see it in the theater. I love all the actors who are playing the older kids, Uh, It's just going to be a lot of fun. I really hope that this sort of marks the future for how some of these longer novels are treated in the movie format because they really do need that kind of time to tell those stories and give them justice. Uh, That's why I loved that Return of the King, when you watch the full-on director's cut, it feels complete. When you watch the theatrical cut, I felt like I was watching a very long trailer. There were so many cuts that didn't feel natural. And then you saw the really long version. And it's like, oh, that's exactly how it's supposed to be. I feel like that's what we're getting with it. And I'm really hoping that we see that more in the future. Now, I know that we're doing a lot of TV shows that are 10 episodes to give to give novels enough time. But even with those, sometimes we deviate considerably from the story, which is probably not necessary. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm also looking forward to Nosferatu. Uh, that uh, TV show that's on AMC, I think it is. That looks really fun as well. And uh, I'm looking forward to catching that in the September, October timeframe. Now, I mentioned earlier that I was going to bring that back up and I think I'll do that right now. In October, my wife and I basically try to watch or experience some Halloween slash horror event every single day, whether that is a movie or, We play a video game, listen to a radio drama. We do something Halloween every day. So 31 days of craziness. Sometimes we watch two movies. Sometimes we watch three or four episodes. Whatever the case may be, we keep track of what we do. We rate it, and then at the end of the month, we share that with our friends. Uh, Last year, we created a horror Facebook group to invite people to join us. We tried to watch shows and movies that were on like uh, Amazon Prime or Netflix, Hulu, things that people had so they could participate with us. We'll probably use that uh, rabbit site this year and try and show some more stuff. Um, It's a lot of fun, and it really does help keep the Halloween spirit going in our household. Not that that's hard, considering that we're both pretty goth, but... Uh, as we dive into these these sorts of things, it gets really cool to stay in that mindset. Now, uh, my wife's birthday is in September, so as soon as September hits, we're pretty much in Halloween mode here, and we start looking at what we're going to watch and, and how we're going to go about sharing it with people. So keep an eye on the website because we'll be posting what we're going to do, and if people want to participate, then we're going to have the means to chat about it and bring things up and you're more than welcome to join us we're gonna have a discord channel this year so it should be a lot of fun Uh, that's coming here in october probably a little bit later in september we'll have all the information up and you're more than welcome to sign in and join us so speaking about horror though i want to give a quick review on the movie ready or not that movie was awesome we went and saw that on opening day and i have to say it was the greatest decision we made Uh, If you don't know what it is, it's a movie where a woman marries into a very prominent family. They're very wealthy and very eccentric. And after the wedding is over, it's late at night. They have to play a game at midnight. They basically go downstairs and they put a blank card into a machine. The newlywed, the person coming into the family, in this case the woman... Uh, draws the card, it prints whatever game they have to play, and then they play that game, and then that person is considered part of the family. She draws hide-and-seek. Now, in this case, hide-and-seek, as you'll see in the trailer, is very dangerous. They basically have to kill her by dawn. It's pretty rough. I will tell you this. The preview did not do it justice in many ways. I was still psyched to see it after seeing the preview. It was still really exciting, but... What it didn't really do for me was show exactly how gory it was going to be. I think there's a Red Band trailer that does, but the regular trailer I saw wasn't quite as gory. It has some serious nasty in it. There's also a lot of profanity, so if those two things bother you, this may not be for you. But if you don't mind uh, those two elements in your movies, uh, this one's very clever and it's super fun. The actors are all fantastic. Uh, the premise is really really cool and the the lead actress who is the bride her she's just over it throughout the movie and she does such a good job of conveying that that sense of uh, exasperation over what she's going through so highly recommend ready or not if you don't mind profanity and gore we also saw angel has fallen so this is the third installment in the gerard butler Uh, presidential movies um, with Olympus Has Fallen being the first, which was great. London Has Fallen, which was ridiculous, but still fun. And then Angel Has Fallen. So just the other day, I watched Gerard Butler do his uh, iconic film roles for GQ. Uh, That's a big series on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend it. The actors are pretty charming in it. And he almost sold me on Angel Has Fallen. But after seeing it, I was pretty unhappy. It is not a good movie, in my opinion. I can tell you a few reasons why. It feels very juvenile. It's a very immature plot. It doesn't feel like people understand how things like law enforcement work. It doesn't feel like they understand how physics work. And while the other two movies are pretty ridiculous, most of what happens, at least physically, feels realistic-ish. And this movie it it kind of throws it away. Plus the fight scenes are a little bit slow. I feel like they needed the choreographer from Taken to come in. If if it was a case of maybe the actors are a little bit slower or they didn't have as much time to rehearse, they could have got those choreographers to make it look tighter and faster like he did in, in with Liam Neeson. Uh this this movie just all around, I didn't like it. I, I really I would have walked out of this movie actually uh had it not been for nick nolte literally when i was like i'm done nick nolte came on and he was really funny and he really helped lighten the mood and i enjoyed it a little bit more at that point but by the end i was done it's very predictable and it may not have been predictable back in 1985 when this type of action movie was brand new and we wouldn't have seen all the twists and turns way in advance so i do not recommend angel has fallen at the movie theater. If you're bored and you have it on streaming, maybe then. But even then, I'm pretty sure you want to exhaust your list before you'd bother with this one. The final movie I want to talk about is Once Upon a Deadpool. I think this should have been a DVD extra for those of us who bought Deadpool 2. It was not really worth any extra money. I happened to see it for free on HBO, and I probably would have been a little upset if I would have gone to see it in the theater. Yeah, the parts were funny, but... Just making a PG-13 version of Deadpool didn't really make it more appropriate. It was still insanely harsh and very raw. And, I mean, it's what Deadpool is supposed to be, just without the profanity. I had some fun, but honestly, with the length it is, I'd just rather watch Deadpool 2 again. Fred Savage was amazing. I gotta give him that. But all around, Once Upon a Deadpool, worth free, I guess. I would say that if you are bored and you just got to see Deadpool 2 again, but you want to see it slightly different, this is probably your best bet since you don't really have that option with other movies. Anyway, that's all I got to say about that. All right. Thank you very much for listening to the show. I appreciate you stopping by. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, be sure to check out our website and keep track of the schedule. You can find us at www.societycasefiles.com or www. RobertHazleton.com. Don't forget to follow or support the project at ko-fi.com slash societycasefiles Next episode airs next week. Look forward to seeing you then. Bye.